Here's a question for you. What makes a great sequel? Now, I know that film fans are incredibly wary of sequels at this point, and look, I can't blame you. The art of the sequel has largely gone corporate, but it's important to remember that there are plenty of films out there that are sequels and are pretty damn good. I mean, think about Toy Stories 2 and 3, The Godfather Part 2. Hell, there are some sequels that are even better than their originals. Think of Terminator 2 Judgment Day or The Empire Strikes Back, right? There are some great sequels out there. So the question is, what makes a good sequel? Why do some sequels do even better than their originals or at the very least help to inform their predecessors? Well, the answer to this question can be found in the two films that we are talking about today. Two sequels to one of the most beloved films of all time and the very first film that we covered on this very show. Today, we're talking about Back to the Future, Parts 2 and 3. Now, I know what you film fans are telling me. Larry, Back to the Future, Parts 2 and 3. I mean, I like Part 2. It's pretty good. But Part 3? What are you talking about over here? Let me tell you, these movies have not gotten their due justice. Both Part 2 and Part 3 not only give us new, fresh ideas to help deepen the world of Back to the Future, but they also help to more firmly establish the characters and relationships and themes found in that first film. And it all makes for a beautiful, cohesive experience of a trilogy that is one of cinema's best. So what makes Back to the Future Parts 2 and 3 such great sequels? Well, to answer that question, I brought on two of my closest friends, screenwriter and content creator Steven Reyes, alongside filmmaker and EB Indie Film Festival co-founder Kevin Lynn. In our second My Favorite Movie is Doubleheader and our season finale, we dive deep into Back to the Future Parts 2 and 3 and give you all of our insights into why these films exemplify what makes a good sequel. Hello and welcome to My Favorite Movie Is, a podcast all about why we love our favorite movies. My name is Larry Fried and I am a New Jersey-based filmmaker and, more importantly, film lover who every other week sits down with other passionate movie fans as they tell the personal stories behind their favorite movies. Thank you so much for being here, but just a warning, we go way past the red tape and deep into spoiler territory on this show. If you haven't seen the movies that we're talking about today, you've been warned. In the meantime, we've covered other movies on this show, maybe some of which you've actually seen. So be sure to find us wherever you get your podcasts as well as on our YouTube channel. Thank you so much for giving us your time and your energy and your attention. We know you probably listen to plenty of podcasts out there and well, we're honored to be one of them. With that being said, let's get started. Gentlemen, welcome to My Favorite Movie Is. This is a very special occasion. This is the first episode I have with two guests in studio. Yes. And we're all recording together in the same room. And it's a very special occasion because it's also our season finale. Yeah. And Woo. we're talking about Back to the Future Parts 2 and 3. So to give a, just a little bit of context, both of you already know this, but we recorded an episode with Max Mariner on Back to the Future Part 1. Yes. Uh, which was our season premiere, the, the show premiere, our entire premiere. And we wanted to have you guys on to talk about Back to the Future Parts 2 and 3 because both of your favorite films 
are also Back to the Future, but we can't have three people do the same movie. Yeah. But thankfully, Back to the Future has three parts. It would be such a better idea if we had both of you here to talk about parts two and three, the films that I think are less beloved than the first one, but have just as much merit yes, in certain absolutely. ways as the first one. Kevin, you hadn't said a single word yet. I'm just not. I'm nodding. You're just nodding. <laughs> I'm nodding. Steven is particularly representing part two. Yes. In the discussion. And Kevin is representing part three. Part three. Uh, so we're going to start this conversation off like how we start every conversation on the podcast. I want to talk about, and really this is going to be for the whole trilogy because you can't really talk about two yeah. and three without talking about one. Tell me about your first experience with the Back to the Future trilogy. And then, you know, based on whichever movie is yours in particularly, tell me a little bit about what it was like watching that film and what you took out of it. So I, I discovered uh, the Tridge. In- <laughs> I don't like this. I don't, I don't like this very much I, I at all. No, no, I, I, I started watching the trilogy um, when I was very young. When I first moved to New Jersey, I was about four or five years old. Uh, my dad went to Best Buy and he got uh, the original trilogy box set, which was nice. like, it was just, I think it was, it might've been the first time all three were released on DVD. It was the silver one, right? Or something like that? It was like a blue one. Yeah, yes. It, yeah. it wasn't, obviously it wasn't the 20th anniversary one because it, yeah. yeah. it hadn't been 20 years yet. So it must have been the one that came out before that. Yeah, I think this is, it was right around the time when DVD started getting really big. So this is the first time all right. three were in like a, a, a thing right. together. Yeah. And I remember watching it and, you know, that that little kid thing when like you, you see a movie you watch, you just want to watch it all the time. All the time. So that's what happened. And then I coincidentally lost the first one. I could never find the first one. I still, I still have no idea where it is. You uh, still don't know where it is. I have no idea where so it is. So your box set sure to this day is still just two and three. That that particular box set. I have two other ones. Oh, no, now, okay. Well, at least have, he got the first Blu-ray one. I have Blu-ray and one that includes um, the animated series. Oh, nice. Very nice. Um, but I lost the first one, but that was okay because I loved the second one. Because mm-hmm. the second one to me is when I feel like Back to the Future Part 1 it's it's a staple it's a classic part two is where i think a lot of the this a lot of the series iconic moments happen because mm. it's a movie that um i can probably do for you like the first 15 minutes like straight off, off the top of my head yeah top that kev <laughs> like i don't know like to me like when i was a kid i think the future stuff was really what grabbed me i was just like oh hoverboards and you know the, the future it was really cool to me i would say my favorite moment watching this watching it uh on back to the future day like the the day where they go to the future mm-hmm. i watched it on that day i made sure to watch it on that day just because As you do right? yeah and it was so funny because it's the first time that you you I, I watched it like the second one and just Seeing that, like you know, like when we were when I was a kid and I watched it, I was like, "Man, the future's gonna be awesome, dude!" And then like now you're watching it, and you're just like, "None of that shit happened." Six years past 2015, though. <laughs> yeah, I know it was. It's becoming. They didn't get everything right. They got some things right. Some things right. They got some things pretty close. It got a shocking number of things. You wearing yeah. your pockets inside out? For that day, I did. <laughs> I, absolutely, for that day, I did. I think that all in like all three movies together tell as max said a very interesting story about destiny yeah. and about spitting in the face of it i i think that all three movies you know have very important things to say about it and important yeah. things like like uh, m- my favorite line in the whole se- in the whole series is doc's last line where he just says it means your future hasn't been written yet no one has 
Your future is whatever you make it. So make it a good one. Both of you. We have the power to make the future that we want to make. And I think that that is something that I think has aged spectacularly well. Similarly, uh, I my first run-in with Back to the Future, I remember my babysitter at the time um, had the same box set. We had all three films. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't lose the first one. So um, uh, owned, burn. So fast forward to like when um, I'm more conscious of things. They showed the first one uh, at AMC. I remember that. I remember uh, that, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So is that how you first that's watched the first, it? That's the first time I like... I have like the fondest memory of watching it, of Back to the Future One, um, and then we got the box set, um, and I I still knew what Back to the Future was, and I like I knew like I guess like the the zeitgeist of it, if that's the right word to do. Right through osmosis, you yeah. knew what Back to the Future like you knew was. What the, like the Delorean yeah. was, and- yeah, like it, it's reckon it was recognizable to me, um, and then. Uh, me being the impressionable younger brother, my brother was really into Back to the Future, so I was into Back to the Future. When I watch one, I have to watch the others. Right. Like it's, it's like, like a complete package. Yeah, it's like yeah. when I whenever I see Back to the Future on TV, like any any of the three films, I'm like, all right, I, I will watch like a couple like couple minutes of it and I like, go do work or something. I just sit there and watch it. <laughs> like I'm you like, have to. You like, have I mean, to I'm already it. here. Might as well watch the rest of it and just enjoy it. I was remember I was in the camp that saying that Back to the Future Part Three wasn't as good but it was still fun and then upon rewatching it um for this uh, um and also just like when i catch it on tv it's like I, i'm watching it again and i'm like oh this movie kind of slaps yes yeah correct yeah very correct. like I, I enjoyed it before but i was like oh no this this movie is actually really like heartwarming and really really cute to do overall back to the future um lore i guess mm-hmm. the mythos yeah yeah mm-hmm. like the, the, just the whole world that 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 the movie exists in it it's a really nice heartwarming like marty doc story it's really nice seeing just marty and doc interact with each other and like just like be bros <laughs> <laughs> like it's a very much like just a, guys being dudes there's a bunch of guys being in dudes, the old yeah. west pretty much and like and it kind of show like marty he kind of becomes like the um, voice of reason. Yeah, the voice of reason. Um, uh, to to Doc, like the one scene that I thought was really um, effective. Doc is saying how um, he's gonna stay with Clara the night before they plan to go uh, to back to nineteen eighty five. Um, and Doc's like, "Oh, I, I want to stay with Clara." And then uh, Marty's like, "But you told me don't mess with like the past or anything like that." I caution you about disrupting the continuum for your own personal benefit. Therefore, I must do no less. We shall proceed as planned, and as soon as we return to 1985, we'll destroy this infernal machine. Traveling through time has become much too painful. He's obviously upset about it, but like he he he's like, all right, yeah, you're right. I ha- we we have to like make this right. I love that scene. I'm really glad that you brought that up because I think that scene is also similarly to what you were saying before is a really great distillation of the themes or really the conflict i guess mm-hmm. like the thematic conflict of the movie i feel like with parts one and two it has that like 80s early 90s excess to it like it's like very bomb yeah it's kind of bombastic like you know it's like the score you know that 80s and 50s music just blaring i'm like it's the quintessential 80s teenage yeah like movie where i right. feel like part three doesn't have any of that it doesn't have 
like you know it has a score but the score is a lot more stripped back it's it's a lot more subtle and i think it's the first time in the series where the movie is completely character driven as opposed like you know marty has a goal in mind but that goal lasts for the entire movie. It's not like, oh, he has to make sure that, you know, his dad has the right. the thing. He has to make sure he has to go back to the, the 50s again to stop if This one is just, we have to get back to 85. The whole reason why that movie, like, happens is because, like, Marty is going back to 1885 out of the goodness of his heart to get Doc back. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that's really, that's really cute. What you just said kind of segues well into a conversation that we need to have. Steven... I does not want to have this conversation, but I'm going to have it because it's my podcast and I'll do oh, what I no. want. I think Back to the Future Part 3 is better than Part 2. And I win. You're this, so wrong. <laughs> I win. win uh, yes. I understand that very, very few people have this take. Yeah. And I want to talk about this because I think it's so vital. And I think you gave me a little bit of ammo just then because oh my God. the whole thing about this is part two to me sticks out at like a sore thumb in the trilogy. Not for like not be you wouldn't think it when you're watching it because the movies feel so consistent. Obviously, Robert Zemeckis directed all of them and they feel yeah. very stylistically similar in a lot of ways, even though they're in different time periods. But the difference is that in Back to the Future Part 1 and Part 3, Marty is displaced in a world, like, out of his own merit. Like, he goes back to 1985 and 1885, and he, before any plot even happens, we just kind of live in the worlds. Like, he just sort of goes there, and there's, a, I mean, obviously the iconic scene in Back to the Future Part 1 where he first gets to Hill, uh, to Hill Valley, and we see, like, Mr. Sandman, and we see all the great details, and it's the same in 1885. The scene is almost, like, not exactly replicated, but replicated to a, you yeah. know, to a pretty it's strong degree. I think that that is... Very intentional because I think, of course, yeah, right. I think it's playing on your sense of familiarity, absolutely, definitely. Like, it's, and I think that's why I don't really have a problem with it. I've never had a problem, with, I don't necessarily have scenes. a problem with it, but you just kind of, you're just kind of like, oh man, you know, like, like you just hear the music cues specifically, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, here we go, McFly Farm. <laughs> <laughs> when I was rewatching Back to Future 2 for this, I, I couldn't help but think that, like, it felt like a, like three episode miniseries of some yeah, sort. Yeah, because what happens is in Back to the Future, Doc takes Marty, yeah. in Back to the Future Part 2, he takes Marty and he goes, we have to go to the future. And immediately when they get into the future, they're like, okay, we have all this plot. We have to do all these things. Yeah, exactly. blah, 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 blah. And it's not bad. Like the plot is engaging and I'm interested and I'm entertained by it. And it's a very... In terms of the world building, it's interesting. Like I want to see all these characters. But it's a lot of world building. But it's it's so much so early on. And I think I just one more point I'll say before we like kind of you know let loose. When you do the past, you have all of these references you can draw on, and you can basically make a period piece based on the past. So that's exactly how the first and the third one function. In two, you have the risk of shooting yourself in the foot with all the future stuff. Some future references I look back on, I'm like, okay, you know, like it's a little goofy. And when you combine that, like there, it's less impenetrable, I guess, yeah. as if you went to the eighties or the yeah. the wild west. So that in combination with the amounts of plot, it felt less immersive to me. Like back to the future part two doesn't feel as immersive to me as three, 
when it feels like there's less, I mean, normally this is a, it's a problem, but here I would say it's a good thing. When you have less of a driving force driving you through parts one and three, it feels a little bit more organic. Like we're sort of discovering the worlds. And with part two, like it just feels a little bit less organic and more like we're sort of being shoved into the plot of the film as opposed to the characters sort of just like, because the Wild West especially, I think even more than one, the Wild West, we're just living it. We're just in it and we're like, obviously there's the plot, but it really takes a backseat to just the uh, like having fun in the Wild West. What I will say about that is just they only really spend like the first act of the movie in the future. And I think that that if the whole movie was doing, if we're doing that through the entire movie, through like all three acts are them just constantly explaining the future. I think I would agree with you, but the fact that it's so front loaded and it's like after the first like 30 minutes, they stop doing that. And, but then they go into the ultra 1985. They have a whole other, they have that, you have that whole Biff news, thing which is basically just an yeah, exposition but, but, yeah dump. but again it's playing on your expectations you know that's how, true that's true you know how this is supposed to look right. you know because because we saw it in the last one we, you know that uh marty's parents are rich but still live in the same house for some reason uh, <laughs> <laughs> they'd like to live a modest life yeah. i i think the return to 85 is done so well like the fact that's a different like the, the fact that when marty drops off jennifer and says i remember bars being on these windows yeah, that it's, is good. It's good pacing. The scene has good pacing. Yeah, and then he goes in his room, and that kid is in his bed because it's That's not a good. It's anymore. a great. It's a great uh, twist yeah. for sure. Two, I would say, is the most plot driven of the three. Definitely, I will say that. But I will say that it does it so well. I think that it manages to juggle these three things in the air so well. Like it manages to juggle. The, like go, like going to the future and the repercussions of that, the alternate 1985, having to go back to the 50s and basically make sure that not only do you do this other thing that you have to do, which you also make sure that the plot of the first movie happens while that, that's still going on. I think that that is like the balance of the three, I think it's done so masterfully because it would be really easy for them to just make a carbon copy of the first one everybody loved the first one i think i think that's what people i think that's what the studios probably wanted them yeah and i think the fact that they basically took the first movie and they like kind of made it a heist movie it essentially is a heist movie time heist like time heist yeah it's it's literally a time heist like don't they reference they reference back to the future in endgame yeah so like our 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 reference is a time travel movies right 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 it manages to kind of play on your expectations, because you've seen the first one, you know what happens in the first one. Now, watch what happens in the first one, but in a brand new context, a brand new um, genre, uh, brand new stakes. And I think part three for me, it was always good, but I feel like it just goes on a little bit too long. Mm. And really, I, I, after a while, I felt like <laughs> Kevin's like, because mm. I felt like it went by really quickly. I don't know. To, to me, like uh, again, I love all three movies. I think. See, he's he's he got ruined by the plot forwardness of the sequel. So he's like, now the sequel's like. This is boring. No, 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 no. And now you're like, I want to live in the third one, and the second one is so no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I, 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 again, I, I've always liked three, and I've always thought that three got a really bad rep for no reason. Some of the problems with three are warranted. Like, I do feel like it does get a little boring 
Because they do kind of repeat a few scenes. Like, how many times can you have Clara and Doc look at each other? Kind of, I feel like as many times as they damn well want. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. I love their relationship. I think that Doc deserves like everything he gets in that movie. Like, it is so earned. All of those scenes. But I feel like at a point, it's like all the scenes are, are kind of the same. They both obviously like each other, but they're not going to say anything because Doc doesn't want to ruin anything because he, he's from the future. And it's like at a point, I'm just like, okay, I've seen this scene 10 minutes ago. And I think that's why I think three falls off for me. It's just like it, it's more character driven, but it does this. It kind of has the same character beats over and over again. I know I said that about familiarity, but I feel like <laughs> yes, to me, like the second one is much more focused on just we have a goal and we have to make that goal and then oh no goal happened we have to make that goal and it just kind of keeps going and it doesn't it doesn't stay in the same place for too long that's that's what i'm gonna say well i feel like part three it's very relaxed like yes like you have the ticking clock but you you still like it's very relaxed there's a lot more like very somber i think it's very somber that's that's i think the word i'm looking for you know some things might happen some things might not happen don't really Ah, matter who cares can't go back 1985 Ah, who cares it doesn't matter (laughs) Ah, i'm a a cowboy or something man i'm a a cowboy i'm gonna stay here a lot more things are legal here now that's true if i could time travel i would love to take a little stint in the old west not that much, though. I think for me, I, I like the the slowness of it mm-hmm. um, because um, wh- I mean, one is very well paced. Um, I think we can all agree one is the best of the trilogy. Well, no, you think two is the best of the I trilogy. Think two is the best. Horrible, <laughs> horrible. We both agree that we like one more than three. I think in a in a general sense, there's literally nothing I would change about Back to Future One. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Back to Future Two, as you said, it just keeps on go. It's just like one thing after another, which is cool. And then with just three, it's just like it's more of I guess like a a reward for watching the whole thing in its entirety. Interesting. Where yeah, it's that's like, really, I never thought about that. It's, you have these two crazy wacky adventures, mm-hmm. um, but then three is just like, yeah, you already know what to expect. Um, so we're gonna like just play into our tropes and into our like goofs and gaffs, like Doc and Marty switching lines and all that stuff. Like they 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 are very well aware of like the things they're referencing. Like my Mad Dog um, and Marty meet for the first time, um, and he's like, "What's your name, dude?" Um, <laughs> And he's just going to sweat, and then he, they chase him out of the thing, and then um, he doesn't have a skateboard or anything. He can't. Right. He can't run. That's why he gets like caught and like almost hanged. Yeah, because like he would steal a horse. It's a really great subversion. Yeah, of the of it. And then what's great is that Doc comes to save Marty. Yeah, which is a great sort with, of with that badass, badass yeah. homemade sniper rifle. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was cool. so cool. <laughs> Shoot the fleas off a dog's back at 500 yards, Stannon, and it's pointed straight at your head. And that's like the kind of thing that I personally like these like character moments. And you kind of have to watch part one, part two, I think, to like kind of fully appreciate that. that I will concede. Yeah. yeah. They pretty much don't explain like their relationship. You kind of just got to know. Well, yeah, it is the third part. It is. If you of haven't watched trilogy, part one and part two, yeah. why? Yeah, <laughs> but it is effortless though. Their yeah. friendship and their chemistry in 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 the film is effortless because they've they've honed their relationship so well over the course yeah. of two movies. Yeah, I think there's like when like after he saves uh, Marty, um, and they give each other like a nice little smile, like and like like a bro like tap on yeah. the shoulder, and I'm like, yo, that's yo, they're homies for life. <laughs>
I do like the, I do like the scene where he comes where he comes back and talks it. Who, who the fuck dressed you? And Marty, and he's like, and Marty you. was like, you did. And they hugged. That's a great moment. I, yeah. I love that moment. What idiot dressed you in that outfit? You did. The character dynamics, I think, is what makes um, part three worth it for me. Right. Does anyone else have any other takes on the films or favorite moments or things they want to bring up into the discussion? I have something from both movies I want to talk about. Oh, okay, fine. The special effects. You want to talk about, yeah. oh, okay, the, the, okay. the effects. I will, yeah, I, will, yeah. I will gladly talk about that. I feel like yeah. we have to talk. Because I was when I was watching it, and there's a scene where it's old Biff and Young Biff in the car. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. old and Young Biff's reading the almanac. Right. That's and, Yeah, I know exactly what you're and talking then, about. And then yep. he throws it. It lands. And old Biff picks it up. Yeah. That it is lands amazing. behind old Biff, right? It lands in old Biff's shot. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's, it's a split screen, obviously. Yeah. This, I think that's, first of all, shout out to Thomas F. Wilson, who is, in my opinion, the MVP of the entire trilogy. Oh, yeah. Because nobody talks about him, really. Everyone just, everyone makes fun of him, which, like, rightly so, because Biff is an idiot. But, in my opinion, Thomas F. Wilson has the best, like, group of performances in the second one. Because he's great as Biff, duh. Yeah. He's so good as old, old Biff. Like, old Biff. geezer Biff. And then, as regular Biff he is, he has that dramatic moment like in in the room with the safe with mm-hmm. Marty. That's just mm-hmm. like yeah, I love that. That crazy that was, that great was, dramatic that was really scene. Cool. He said someday a crazy wild-eyed scientist or a kid may show up asking about that book. And if that ever happens, <laughs> funny. I never thought it would be you. Yeah, and no, and no one's talking about Griff. And Griff, of course. Griff is a classic. I, I just applied the code now. Yeah, with your eyes closed. <laughs> like, that's my favorite. That's one of my favorite lines. Um, but yeah, no, the, the, that the, is such a good impression. <laughs> it's kind of scary, to be honest, well, how good that impression is. When did you become the physical type? Well, since when did you become the physical type? When we're talking about the special effects, I would argue that arguably the best scene to highlight those visual effects is that scene that you're talking about with the yeah. both Biffs. Because I never realized this since I watched it recently. They interact with each other yeah. so It's not like one of them sits on one side of the frame, yeah. the other sits on the other side Truthfully, of the frame. I forgot that it was a split screen because it was so good. I think it says a lot that not only do the movies still look great, obviously. I think to the layman, they still yeah. Yeah. hold up incredibly well. But even to people like us, we all have experience trying to pull things off like this, the split screens and the VFX and all that stuff. And it's hard. It still feels seamless. Like yeah. the scene, like the scene with Biff still surprises us. Cause mm-hmm. we're like, how the frick did they do that? Like yeah. it was, it's crazy. Like when he throws the, the, he throws the almanac behind him and it falls in the other shot and you think it's a split screen and then it totally, totally befuddles you. That and the fact that they there are so many long takes in that scene. Yeah, like a uh-huh. ton of the scenes are just like the camera's moving. Yeah. It'll be on the two. It'll move to Biff in the one, and then it'll move back to the two. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. After like he does the thing on the radio where like he predicts his score and he gives him Biff's like, all right, I'll take a look at it, and then he hits him with the cane. Mm. Yes. And then it, it, it goes back out. They interact with each other so much, and I think that that is is such a testament to the hard work that the. FX team did on just making sure that this was seamless as possible. Well, that's very nice. Thank you very much. Now, why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? 
It's leave, you idiot. Make like a tree and leave. You sound like a damn fool when you say it wrong. All right, then leave and take your book with you. Kevin is is a visual effects person. He has some experience uh, working on it. Yeah, you dabble, but you you have a probably a better idea of the vocabulary and the technology than we do. Kevin and Steven were members of my production crew when we filmed the first episode. And I remember you made a comment to me that they used uh these uh motion auto, these motion cameras, yep. but in specific they choreographed the motion basically. So that way when they reshot everything, it would be the same shot. Yep. I, I also think of the long takes with Marty's home where Michael J. Fox is playing like three characters in one shot. The shot when they go back to 1955 and um, Marty just, he's he's just leaving the dance. Both Mars is just leaving the dance because after he puts the sand back on people, the oh. ca- camera pa- uh, like pans, follows, tracks Marty oh, yeah, out the yeah, door, yeah. pans back yeah. up. And then there's, uh, I guess... Uh, not Marty Prime. <laughs> down. Marty Prime. Because <laughs> like, Marty Prime is the one that we're following. So yeah. I don't know. I guess I would call right, him like right. past 1955 past Marty. Marty is the Marty. Yeah. 1955 Marty, basically. But like in the past. Right. 19, 19, oh, right. Interacting with things is like right. how you make VFX like grounded. And I think uh, the uh, Back to Future 2 does that a lot, which is very effective. Yeah. A lot of things are surprisingly are miniatures also. Not not in yeah, the right. well, they but do in some general stuff. Yeah, but like in general also like I think like the whole like I mean all like all the I guess green screen assets for um when they're flying up in the space high uh, not space highway. I'm thinking like Star Wars. Um <laughs> it's basically a space highway. Yeah, in the, but in the sky a sky highway. highway. Yeah. A skyway. The skyway. The skyway. The skyway. Yeah. Um it's all I think that's all like miniature work. Um right. which you don't think about sometimes. Robert Zemeckis is a crazy detailed filmmaker, incredible technician. Back to the Future Part 2 and all three of them just like are using everything, not just the effects, but like there's a lot of backs of heads and stuff. Like there's a lot of people who had to double parts, who had to like do the hair and makeup and costumes. And George McFly particularly because yeah. they couldn't get yeah. – um, I forgot his actor's name. Um, Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover. They couldn't get him. Yeah. Back with it. They have to get in costume. They have to like redo the hair and stuff. And you have to have that. You have to have that. The effects team, the actors need to like be Timing able to, to be communicate like with themselves. perfect. Yeah, they need to literally do a beat for beat for beat. It's just incredible in the 80s that Robert Zemeckis had all of those things like in place. Yeah, it's it's like they knew what they wanted to do and they made sure that they had the means to do it as seamless as possible. Yeah, it's really it's a testament to just how incredible these films are that all of these effects worked. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this week's episode of My Favorite Movie Is. I hate to interrupt this awesome conversation, but I just wanted to remind you all that you can find more episodes of My Favorite Movie Is by going to our show page on your podcasting platform of choice. And if you like video podcasts, we actually post our video versions for every podcast episode on YouTube. New audio episodes drop every other Monday, and then video episodes drop that following Friday. So I hope you'll subscribe and follow us and hit that notification bell and do all the things you got to do to stay updated on when new episodes go live. Another way to stay updated on when new episodes go live and get some fun bonus content and sneak peeks in between episodes is to follow us on our social media pages at MFMI Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I hope you guys will find us there and stay updated and check out all the cool stuff we're doing on those platforms. And finally, for a full catalog of audio and video episodes, as well as more information about the show and how you can contact us for any reason, you can go to MFMIPodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening to My Favorite Movie Is. Let's get back to the show.
Let's move on to the lightning round. We're rearing the end of the conversation, but this is going to be fun because we're doing it with two different people. Yes. So, uh, Stephen, I'm going to ask that you represent two, and Kevin, you represent three. I'm going to ask you guys questions, the superlatives for these movies, and I'm going to ask you guys to give me the most impulsive answers you can. Any, any questions before we get started? I'm ready. Bring it on. Okay, here we go. Favorite scene? Hoverboard scene. The hoverboard chase with Greg. Hoverboard chase. Claire and Doc under the stars. Great choice. Favorite character and, if different, favorite performance? I'm going to say it's Biff and favorite performance, Thomas F. Wilson. Yeah, so Biff, Biff for both. All any, the Biff. Any, Biff, Griff, all the Biff, whatever. All the Biffs. Is, 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 is. The Biff I. The Biff I, if you will. <laughs> the collective known as the Biff. The Biff Force 5. As <laughs> Force 5. <laughs> Kevin? Um, Christopher Lloyd. So, Doc, yeah, for Doc. both. Yeah. Favorite line. You have to have, you know the movie backwards yeah. and forwards. Uh, you have to have a specific one. Favorite line is the alternate 1985 Lorraine, where she, where after Biff says, and who's going to pay for your surgery? And she goes, you're the ones that wanted these <laughs> things. You can have them. <laughs> That's my favorite scene. Who's going to pay for your cosmetic surgery, Lorraine? You were the one who wanted me to get these, these things. Great Scott. I know this is heavy. Uh, oh, when they yeah, switch oh, lines. The, the, when they switch lines. Yeah. Great Scott. I know this is heavy. Favorite shot or sequence of shots? Favorite shot is when uh, they're on top of uh, Biff's Pleasure Palace and the DeLorean kind of comes up. Great shot. To reveal that Marty mm-hmm. like, didn't like die. I think that's, oh, it's so cool. Oh, uh, I guess when Kara and Doc are like looking up at the stars and things that over the shoulder and you see, you see all the stars. We've already spilled a lot of behind the scenes stuff, but if there's any other favorite like behind the scenes trivia or know how that you want to, yeah, you have. That this is the first um, credited appearance for Elijah Wood. It is. He was oh, one of the kids. Right, he's one of the kids. Things. It's a baby's toy. Right. And then they're just like, that's a baby's that's toy. That's a kid's toy. Yeah, and he had like that green visor. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. Classic uh, 2015 future wear that everyone wears now. Probably that Robert Zemeckis did Roger Rabbit right before three. Right. Um, Because like, there's that like outtake where uh, Seamus brings in Roger Rabbit <laughs> as, like, <laughs> as, like, as like his hunt. And I'm like, man, poor Roger Rabbit, because they used they used the they used the stand-in dummy, uh, right, right, uh, right, for the movie. Um, so I thought that was cool, because like that's that that's also technical Marvel, also. Yeah, but so Roger like, Rabbit is arguably more technically marvelous than any of the three Back yeah. to the Future movies in terms of the animation. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one because I'm not allowing you to use any of the Back to the Future sequels for this answer. Oh, okay. but if you were going to pair this movie with another movie for a double feature. Which would you pick? You kind of have it off easy, but you, I'm kind of interested to know which one you would pick. I would pair this with any Edgar Wright movie because I. What? Well, that's a bit God, of that's a not cheap the question. You've got to pick a movie. Which one? The World's End. I would pair this movie with The World's the End. The World's End. Interesting. Because okay. it plays off of the same sense of familiarity mm-hmm. as the first one. But the, the difference with The World's End is more with the characters, but it's more like something isn't right. Right. And The World's End is a little sci-fi esque, which Back to the Future Part Two is also sci-fi esque like with like a, with like a, a, with like human relationships at the center of it. Right. I think that it pairs really well because not only do I think Edgar Wright and Back to the, and Back to the Future just makes sense to me, but also I feel like it's a movie about destiny. It's a movie about going back and 
uh, creating your own future, creating mm, your own. That's true. Two very different endings. Two though. very different endings. <laughs> Takes that question and answers it with two very different <laughs> answers. Uh, but that could make for that's a good double header. That, yeah. that's what makes for a good double feature. Roger Rabbit. So you're gonna steal Max's what should have been Max's oh, answer. Wait. No, no, he, Max said Spider-Man, but I told but uh, he said maybe that's maybe but Roger Rabbit's a better answer. You're gonna say Roger Rabbit. Because yeah, they were made like, in the same time. Yeah, that and also like if you like Back to the Future 3 and even 2, well, like it's like more cartoony aspects. Like right. Roger Rabbit is just all cartoons. Just fun. It's like a fun, wacky adventure. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to say like Magnificent Seven or something. Like just, you know, like a Lone Ranger, you know, like a Western. So um, here comes, here's the truth. I've never seen Magnificent Seven. I wanted to see it, but I didn't. <gasps> no, that's fine. Have you seen any other Westerns? Hateful Eight. I would not pair this with Hateful Eight. <laughs> Nothing that comes to my mind. What's the second favorite? Takes Back to Future Trilogy's first favorite. What comes right underneath? Uh, her. Spike Jones. Spike Jones is Walking right. Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, it's my favorite. Uh, it's a movie that made me want to become a filmmaker. Great movie. I, I love that movie. I put it as my favorite just because when I look up, when I think about favorite movie, I think about a movie I can watch whenever. I can throw it on whenever and I will enjoy it. I feel like her, you know, I kind of have to Right. Be, her is very much a mood. It's yeah. very much a mood piece. It's very much a mood piece. I it kind of like like it's very emotionally draining to watch Definitely. her. Definitely. Definitely. So that's why I don't just put it it's on. It's not a feel good. Not yeah. a feel good. Not a feel good movie. No. Kevin. Wally. Specifically Wally in the first like half and like Earth's just a shithole. It's also like one of those things that like got me interested in like the medium of animation also you, you know we go to film school they say show not tell show it's like all show not tell in that movie basically like, first yeah, yeah which is great, great visual storytelling which is also on. yeah because i feel like that movie like prob like th- it's one of those movies that like it only works i think in a medium that like it's yeah in. like yeah, that, yeah. there's no i can't imagine that being like a weird john favreau live action <laughs> Lion thing, please don't. Please, <laughs> please don't. It just, it's please just like glove, 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 two hours. Literally, like they're making Lilo and Stitch live action, Stop. and that's another movie Stop. where I feel like that is such an animated film. I don't yeah, think that's Stitch, gonna look horrendous. Stitch is gonna look horrible, and let's be honest. Every time they've tried to recreate Wally in a physical way, it never captures. It never looks good. The spirit of yeah, Wally, because like because like the, the aesthetic of Wally is like junk, which is great. It works. Yes, but it's also like he's a robot, but he still has these expressive things that most robots don't have. Yeah, his dude, his eyes are so cool. Yeah, I, I, love, I love his eyes. That's the end of the lightning round. Thank you, gentlemen, for being here. That's the end of our. No uh, that's, a, that's the end of our episode, our conversation. But I want to be sure you guys get to plug. Your stuff. So where, Stephen, can people find you on the internet? On Twitter as Stevie Tenenbaum. Uh, you can also find me on TikTok as at Stephen Tenenbaum. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel, which is linked. But if not, uh, I'm just Stephen Reyes. So go there, show some love, follow me. Really appreciate it. Definitely. Kevin. All right. I got a lot to plug, actually. <clears throat> oh, boy. So, here we go. Um, if you want to follow my uh, freelancing video stuff, um, it's on Instagram at, at jellymanmedia. I have a photo dump Instagram at jellyman.photos. Um, and I have a nonprofit film festival if you would like Yay. to donate. Both of these, these fellow gentlemen were our jurors for this past uh, e- e- festival. Uh, it went off without a hitch. We had a great selection, great turnout. Um, if you want to donate to um, help fund some stuff um, for next year to make an uh, even greater and better show, um, you can uh, follow us on Instagram 
at EB underscore indie or donate to our Kofi page where it's a uh, KO dash FI.com forward slash EB indie. And you can just uh, donate uh, how much money you would like. Support EB indie. We're all from East Brunswick. EB for short. Gentlemen, thanks for being here. It's a pleasure to have Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having that, us. That is our episode. End of season one, baby. Hey. A big thank you to Steven Reyes and Kevin Lynn for not only being on our season finale, but also being on the production crew for a number of episodes of My Favorite Movie Is so far. All of their websites and socials are down in the show notes. Now, before I do my traditional sign-off, this is, as I just said, our season finale. And with that comes a little bit of an update on where we are with My Favorite Movie Is and where we have yet to go. Uh, We've produced 10 episodes of the show thus far, and I'm really happy with where the show is right now. We have listeners who are giving me some great feedback. Um, I've created a wonderful Rolodex of, you know, collaborators who I work with on this show. And, you know, back when I first was, you know, thinking about doing this podcast, I said to myself, okay, you know what, let's make 10 episodes, see where we are with the show after 10 episodes, and, you know, decide from there if, you know, I want to continue. And, um... I definitely do. Uh, I like where the show is right now, but I know it can be so much better. And I have so many ideas, so many changes to the format that I think will only make the film, uh, not the film, the the show (laughs) stronger. Um, And with that, I am happy to announce that my favorite movie is season two is already in production. Uh, We have some awesome guests lined up who are gonna bring on some like all time classic films. I'm super, super excited. Uh, however, with that new season of production, you know, I'm going to be taking some time uh, to really hone in on the show, work on making it feel fresh and new, incorporating some new ideas, maybe taking out some old ideas that I just don't think are really working. And in order to, you know, fully put my time and investment in creating this new season for the show, we're going to take a little bit of a hiatus from posting episodes biweekly. Um, And, you know, that's why this is sort of the season finale, so we can sort of take a little bit of a break and hone in on this new season. Uh, I'm not going to give a firm uh, comeback date just yet, because to be honest, uh, I'm not sure exactly when that's going to be. That's all going to be determined by, you know, how we're doing on production and how many episodes can we get recorded and how much time. Uh, But I can tell you that we're aiming to come back in the spring of this year. So, you know, the hiatus is not going to be that long. It's really only going to be a couple of months. With that said, we're not going to go on, you know, complete radio silence. We're actually going to do something really exciting. We're going to start a My Favorite Movie Is Discord community server where fans of the show can come together, talk about the episodes, share in the love of film. Uh, This is really exciting for me. This is something that I've been wanting to start for the show uh, for a while, and I'm happy to say that it is starting now. So in the show notes below, there will be a link for you to join our Discord community. If you already have a Discord account, it'll be very easy to join. If you don't have a Discord account, get one and join us because people who are on this Discord server are going to play a part in how we... Uh, make season two. You know, we're going to be doing a bit of a focus group feedback loop, as I like to call it. It's a nice little rhyme there. Uh, We're going to be sharing drafts of new episodes. We're going to be polling people for new ideas, asking for feedback on all of the new ideas and drafts and everything. You know, I'm so thankful to those of you who are listening to the show consistently and for those of you who have been giving me feedback on the show thus far. And so, 
I want to show my gratitude in a way by having you help me continue to make the show. Let's create a community. Let's create a circle of people who you know want to see the show succeed and who want to help put their stamp on the show as it is continuing to be created. We're going to talk to you guys one-on-one. We're going to get all of your feedback. Some people have already given us some great feedback that we're going to channel into our new format. Uh, This is really exciting, and I really hope you guys will join our Discord community. Alongside our Discord community, I'm also incredibly excited to announce that we are launching a Patreon Um, This is also something I've been meaning to do for the show for a while, and I'm announcing it now because as we, you know, work on the format of the show, we still need support to make the show possible. And all of your support on that Patreon is going directly into helping us make a better show, changing things about the show that will only make things more efficient and more interesting. But some of that comes with a bit of a cost. So if you go on our Patreon right now, there's a $5 tier. That's the only tier we have. I kept it real simple for you guys. Not only are you paying to directly support the show, you also are going to get some awesome perks, um, extended and ad-free versions of every episode, uh, bonus content, you know, stuff that we originally cut from the episode. We're going to, you know, post an individual clip on that Patreon. We're also going to do commentary tracks on a lot of the films that we cover on the show. Some of those tracks may feature the guests themselves. Um, The Patreon is going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot of awesome perks I'm going to be putting on there. And obviously, being a part of the Patreon, you get access to the Discord server and you get special status on the Discord server as a patron. We're giving the listeners a lot of great ways to interact with the team here at My Favorite Movie Is. And we're really excited to be doing that. And we really hope you guys will join us in the Discord, support the show, and uh, you know, stay on this ride with us as we move in to season two. Anyway, that was a little bit more rambly than usual, but I wanted to just you know tell you guys where we're at and what we're doing. And uh, I hope you guys are looking forward to the spring when we start uploading new episodes of My Favorite Movie Is. It's gonna be great. But for now, I wanna end off this episode how we usually end off this episode, which is... If you want to support the show, follow us on your go-to podcasting app, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and hit that notification bell. Follow us on our social media platforms at MFMI Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you're on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, they actually just started doing reviews on Spotify, leave us a rating and a review. You can only do reviews on Apple Podcasts, not on Spotify, but either way, a rating and or a review And all of the things I just mentioned uh, helps the show to keep going and keep growing. And for that, we thank you tremendously. For more information about the show and a full catalog of audio and video episodes, you can go to mfmipodcast.com. You can also email us at hello at mfmipodcast.com if you have any questions or any feedback for us. It's greatly, greatly appreciated. And lastly, before we get to the credits, just a huge thank you to everybody who helped make My Favorite Movie Is Season 1 possible. You know, everybody who, you know, listened to me pitch the show, who gave me feedback on the show before we launched, people who continued giving me feedback as the episodes were being posted, um, to my producer, Brian Novak, assistant director, Stephen Reyes, to uh, our incredible editors, Clayton and Kimberly Allen, to Monica and Elton and Matt for giving their artistry to the aesthetic, both... um, you know, audibly and visually to the show. Um, thank you to every camera operator, every sound recordist, every production assistant, to everybody who has just given me some positive validation and feedback on this show. Since it started, you all are the reason 
that this show is possible. Oh, and of course, the listeners. Thank you to everybody who listens to the show week in and week out, who shares it with their friends and family and fellow film lovers. Um, you guys and everybody I just mentioned are the reason that this show exists. And uh, for that, I am eternally grateful. So until season two, thanks for listening. My Favorite Movie Is is a Larry Freed Presents production. It is executive produced, hosted, created, and directed by me, Larry Freed, and is produced by me alongside Brian Novak. Our assistant director is Stephen Reyes, and our editors are myself, as well as Clayton and Kimberly Allen. Our graphics designer is Monica Sarmiento. Our motion graphics designer is Elton Greenfield. And our theme song, Now and Then, as well as all original music featured on this podcast, is composed and performed by Matt Gorduke. For this episode, our camera operators were Brian Novak, Stephen Reyes, and Kevin Lynn, and our sound recordist was Dan Grunberg. Thank you all so much for your help on this episode. Everybody's socials and websites and what have you are in the show notes. My name is Larry Freed, and this has been season one of My Favorite Movie Is. See you in the spring. Music.